And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Good afternoon and welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Mauk. Today we're going to discuss, discuss the new Department of Children Family Services policy on lesbian gay ideology and what that means for our children and children of others throughout our state. Our guest today is Illinois Family Institute's cultural affairs writer, Laurie Higgins. I'm an attorney and a partner at the law firm Malkin Baker. We're Christian attorneys that focus on serving the body of Messiah with its legal needs. We do everything from zoning to estate planning, nonprofit administration, and religious freedom. You can find out more about us by going to MalkBaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Our phone number is 312-726-1243. Our guest today, Laurie Higgins, cultural affairs writer, has just written an interesting article about two families that illustrate what we're facing here in Illinois. Uh, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus, Lori. Tell us about the story you've written. Thanks for having me, John. Well, the story that's posted on this issue, it's titled Trans Ideology Damages Children. It's is posted a, where? On IllinoisFamily.org. Okay. So this story is about a mother. She is female, but she identifies as trans gender queer, I think non-binary, there's three terms she uses. And so she has all her female parts. She has had a baby via sperm donation. and um, But she also apparently takes cross-sex hormones because she has a beard and mustache and a lower voice. She is raising her child to have no gender identity. In fact, the reason it reached the national news is that she's the first person to ever get obtained for her child a national health ID that actually has no sex listed. And she's fighting now to get a birth certificate for her child that has no gender identification at all, not identified as male or female. So she's working through the courts on that. And so what she wants to do is make it, make it uh, f- her child to have the freedom to choose his or her own gender identification. So she doesn't tell people what the sex is. She dresses it in clothing that is either both distinctly female and distinctly male or gender neutral. Well, the American College of Pediatricians has issued an opinion about whether uh, children should be allowed to choose their own uh, sexual and gender identification. What what does the American College of Pediatricians say about that? Well, the, the American College of Pediatricians says that this is child abuse, that you, your sex is not a disorder. It is objective. It is immutable. It can never change. They describe it as um, <clears throat> impersonation. When a child pretends to be the opposite sex, they call that impersonation, and they take issue with the American Academy of Pediatrics, their trans-affirmative protocol of giving young children, puberty blockers, and then cross-sex hormones. And in fact, 
there is a doctor that's associated with the Lurie Children's Hospital who admits that several of his patients at 15 years old, girls, have had double mastectomies. That is abusive, especially because the current research suggests that upwards of 98% of boys who experience gender dysphoria at young ages, unless it's their dysphoria is affirmed and supported and facilitated, 98% of them would come to accept their sex. And um, eight, or I think it's 88% for boys and 98% for girls. And uh, it, uh, the other way around. I'll oh, okay. My notes. <laughs> I had 98% of the boys uh, uh, f- figure it out and 88% of the gender-confused girls accept their biological uh, sex after puberty unless they've been coached in that direction. Exactly. And what, we're doing more than coaching now. Well, this, this brings us to the Illinois Department of Children and Family Services, what is the new policy that they have imposed? Well, they have endorsed the entire trans ideology where you must affirm their sexual confusion and anyone affiliated directly or indirectly with the DCFS has to undergo LGBT affirming training. In fact, annual training. And that includes no, they will not place children in foster or adoptive families, children who experience gender confusion and and who experience same-sex attraction, they won't place any children with those families unless they will affirm that ideology. And does that also go for custody battles? If there's a a divorce and one parent says, I want to affirm my child's uh, gender confusion and the other parent doesn't, do those guidelines apply there? Well, know? I would assume so because they ha- they emphasize that no child can be placed, no child who experiences same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria can be placed in a family that does not affirm it. So I would assume that would have implications for custody battles. And the adoptive parents or foster parents make a huge difference not only in their ideology, but if they're gender confused themselves or their uh, same-sex gender, what kind of risk does that put uh, children at to, to be adopted by gay or lesbian parents? Well, there's good research and multiple studies that show that children who are raised by homosexual parents, I don't know about the research about gender confused parents. That, I think, would be at least as troubling, if not more. But children who are raised by same-sex parents experience a number of negative consequences, harms to their life, including graduation rates, which affect both children raised by male homosexual parents and lesbian caretakers. Well, there was a Canadian study uh, back to Canada, but this is really uh, appropriate for us because what's been happening in Canada is coming to Illinois now. Uh, In 2012, uh, studied about 5 million uh, families and uh, children who were raised either in uh, uh, traditional families or lesbian families or gay families. And 20% of the graduation rate from high school for girls raised by lesbian parents was 20% of the graduation rate for girls raised by, uh, in a traditional family. 
a huge uh, difference in the outcome for children. And so uh, placing those children in gay and lesbian families puts them at risk of uh, really a lifetime of misery and uh, setback. And, and that's, that's just one of the many stats that's, uh, that's come out. Right. And there's actually another, um, some research that shows that children who are raised by homosexuals are more likely to experiment with homosexuality than children who are raised by an intact heterosexual couple. But there, and, and with kids who experience gender dysphoria, this is setting them on a path to a lifetime of physical health risks because those who choose to undergo what they call transition, which is, you know, sort of false, deceiving language because you can't actually change from a male to a female or female to a male. But they will be, some of those will be taking cross-sex hormones for the rest of their life, which increases their risks for strokes, blood clots, and cancer. And we, we actually don't even know what the lifetime consequences of these taking these drugs. In addition, they're having bodily mutilating surgeries, castrations at young ages, and there's a growing detransitioning movement that most people don't know about, about people, these are not conservative Christians, they're just, in fact, the ones that I've encountered through YouTube videos and articles are actually very liberal, and they're saying they've been harmed by taking cross-sex hormones and having surgery, and they are now stopping their hormones, but if you've been taking cross-sex hormones, some of those, cons- some of those effects are irreversible. Wow. Well, there's danger on every side. I, I, our, our children are our most important asset. And going even back to the Bible, one of the first things that God taught Abraham was that child sacrifice was wrong. That was what was happening in, in Abraham's day, and, and it still happens today, throwing children into the fire or offering them up uh, to Molech and the, the Akaida, uh, Genesis 21, which is the story of, of God telling uh, Abraham that he would provide, and providing sacrifice in lieu of the child sacrifice is one of the fundamental messages of the Judeo-Christian and, and even Muslim tradition. And one thing that I would like to mention is where this is headed, which people are not looking big picture, where this whole trans movement is headed is the eradication of public recognition of sex differences everywhere for everyone. It's co-ed locker rooms, a a transgender, a boy who identifies as a girl called me this week. Actually, it's someone I wrote about recently. And we had an hour-long conversation. And in there, without me asking, he admitted everything I've been trying to tell people. Their goal, their goal is not just to allow transgender persons in opposite sex. It's to eradicate co-ed for everyone everywhere. And so these, this has implications for other children, not just trans children, mm-hmm. other children. Okay. We've been talking with Laurie Higgins, who is cultural affairs editor at the Illinois Family Institute. When we get back, we're going to hear more about the dangers of the DCFS policy and what we can do about it.
Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Mauck, partner of the law firm of Mauck & Baker, and we're talking with Lori Higgins of the Illinois Family Institute. Lori, uh, before the break, we were talking about the Illinois Department of Children and Family Services' new policy encouraging uh, gender ideology among young children and forcing that on adoptive and uh, foster care families. But you've indicated that the danger and problem goes even further. Explain. Well, the end game for the whole trans ideology, I call it the trans cult, is to eradicate all public recognition in all contexts of sexual differentiation. So this is not just about allowing a very small minority of people to access opposite-sex restrooms or locker rooms. This is about the end game of having co-ed everything, everywhere, for everyone. An 18-year-old young man who identifies as a woman called me this week at IFI, and we had an hour-long conversation. Without me asking, he acknowledged his goal is to have huge restrooms that anyone can go into, huge locker rooms that anyone can go into, and what this teaches right now, what this is teaching all of our children as young as kindergarten, because this is going on in public schools everywhere, all over Illinois, and parents aren't being notified the, about co-ed restroom and locker room usage. It teaches all of our children that in order to be compassionate, they have to be willing to relinquish their physical privacy, that they are bigoted if they don't want to undress in front of boys or girls. This boy also told me that he was using the girls' locker room and no girls cared. Well, if that's true, which I doubt, that's a huge problem. Of course, we can inculcate children with any idea, but to desensitize them to undressing in front of objectively male persons is hugely problematic. And I think this problem goes way beyond uh, an outlier like you're talking about, uh, a, a young man who's very gender-confused, uh, and a lot of our listeners may think, well, that's way out there, but there's a bill sitting on Governor Rauner's desk, uh, which maybe by the time this is uh, aired, uh, he will have signed or vetoed, but it allows any person to get a new birth certificate uh, specifying a different gender. So if you're objectively a male, and uh, that's your DNA, that's your identity, and even if you uh, grew up uh, acting as a male, uh, you decide at age uh, 22 that you're a female, you're entitled under this new law to go back and, and have the um, county clerk issue a new birth certificate saying that you are a female. Now, that may sound like, well, we'll let everybody each to their own, uh, but you can probably think of a thousand examples a 22-year-old in, in the Joliet prison, a young man, may not want to stay there. He may, may rather uh, want to go into a female prison. And somebody who wants to uh, be a track star but can't run as fast as the other boys uh, can declare himself a girl. And uh, suddenly he's a state champion and all the girls are pushed aside off the basketball court or track field and so, and so forth. Uh, what do you think of that law? Well, the or, law... Or, or proposed law. 
the law is idiotic. It's nonsensical. It's actually, they already can get what I call falsified birth certificates in Illinois. In fact, we were one of the first states to allow that. They've been able to get that for over 50 years. What this law does is make it even easier. The existing law says they have to have the surgery and they have to have an affidavit from a doctor saying that they've had the surgery. This law, if it passes, they don't have to get any, they can get a, I I forget the legal terminology, but it's now a declaration from any kind of medical personnel, a mental health counselor, so they can shop around and find a counselor somewhere who is who will say they have been treated in appropriate ways for gender dysphoria. But that doesn't so that we doesn't define what appropriate treatment is, and then they can go and have this falsified birth certificate. Of course, that's not the end game for transgender persons on this issue either, because what they really would like to have. Is not is have what is called a gender marker, which is, refers to not their sex but their gender identity. And ultimately, as you can see, was what's going on in Canada. They would like to leave birth certificates completely open because people, of course, don't know their gender identity until they're three, four, twenty, forty years old. And also, this doesn't account for what about what are we going to do about the gender fluid people? The Harvard GLBT organization recently came out with a statement talking about a number of issues about this, on a number of topics related to this issue. And they said that gender-fluid people, their gender identity can change day by day. I find that very interesting because Illinois has a law prohibiting counselors from helping young people who are gender-confused and say uh, a young man says, I like boys, but I don't really want to like boys. I feel I should be a man and, and, and like women, and I, I would like to be helped out of this confusion and, and be heterosexual. Uh, anybody who is a licensed counselor who counsels that young boy is in danger of losing his or her license as a psychiatrist, a nurse, a doctor, or, or a school counselor. Now, how does that square with uh, this ideology that gender is is fluid. If it's fluid, can't you switch from being gay to straight? Just like we've been uh, told that people who are straight can be gay, can't people who are gay decide I want to orient as straight? How do, how do these two laws work together? Well, it's really interesting that you brought that up about fluidity. <clears throat> Actually, homosexual scholars in the academy for years have been saying sexual orientation is not fixed, it's fluid. Of course, that didn't get out to the public. People aren't reading homosexual scholars in the academy, so they didn't know what they were saying. But what they say is, although it's fluid, you have no agency in changing it. We can't even look at some of the causes that might contribute to the development of, say, same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria, which might be environmental. There isn't a lot of people who identify as homosexual who were abused, molested as children. And there are therapists who say child abuse can lead to sexual orientation confusion. And so, and what's also interesting on this topic is that while children who experience gender dysphoria, who want, who want to reject their unwanted sex, they can access medical help in rejecting their unwanted sex, having surgery, puberty blockers, But if you experience unwanted same-sex attraction, 
you can't access medical help in rejecting your unwanted same-sex attraction. So the the this the whole LGBT movement is intrinsically incoherent, and that's why we're seeing some strange bedfellows. Many <laughs> lesbians do not like uh, men who identify as women in their private facilities, and now we have a new phenomenon, which is some transgenders, well, actually many of them are beginning to say, if you care about the genitalia of your sexual partners, you are transphobic. <laughs> Homosexuals are not liking that. <laughs> well, wow, this is alarming, uh, but confusing. How does uh, one of our listeners who, who's alarmed by this, and, and we're constantly getting alarms uh, all over the place, uh, get past being alarmed to making a difference, what can we do? Well, there's a lot that people can do. I get frustrated because they're not doing it. (laughs) First, you have to get educated. You have to know how to discuss these issues. You have to understand that. So you can go to the Illinois Family Institute website. What what is that website? IllinoisFamily.org. Illinois Family, all spelled out. Because I try to do more than just alarm people. I try to equip them to know what questions should you ask if you go to your school board, for example. People should be contacting their schools right now, asking their administration, do you permit gender dysphoric students to use opposite-sex restrooms and locker rooms? Schools in Illinois are doing it right now and not telling parents. And the other thing that we should be doing is paying attention to the legislation that's being passed and say something about it, talking to people about this issue. As I've written... This is going to be the greatest, most profound cultural revolution the world has ever seen. The eradication of public recognition of sex differences everywhere for everyone. We've never seen anything like it. And people are dismissing it. May I say one last thing? Transgender people do not think they need to have surgery. So think about what that means. They want unrestricted access to opposite-sex private facilities And they're not going to be having surgeries. So you are going to have men with their private parts walking around locker rooms in the all-together. That's what we're going to see. Well, we're not going to see that because uh, I think God's going to raise up uh, his people through what you're talking about, education. Um, Because I don't think God wants that and if we have anything to say about it, that is, we and our, our listeners, we're going to pray, we're going to get educated. Um, I'm also going to suggest that they not only go to the website, but they you know, subscribe to the Illinois Family Institute newsletter. And which you is can, free. Which is free, <laughs> and you can get a free newsletter at com about legal developments in Illinois and how to be in touch with those things. And there's a new book out called Jesus in the Courtroom which I've written, and it's got some great ideas and practical steps that people can uh, use to get involved in impacting our courts and our legal systems for the good of God's community. And this is, These alarms and alerts should awaken us and catalyze us into action. Our guest has been Lori Higgins of the Illinois Family Institute. Thank you so much for your words and encouragement, Lori. Thanks so much, John. Gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.